0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the Survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey is. Hi, Em. I would like to start with a tweet I just saw from at DJ Breezy that said. I swear I'm gonna be watching Summer House and Winter House until the end of time. Kyle will be 95 <laughs> years old in full party themed attire, just slamming beers at his nursing home, and I'll still be tuned in each week as hyped about these shows as I am today. <laughs> and I read that and I was like, if that ain't me.
1: True. Like when it doesn't end. When does it end? You know, there's certain people like I just don't ever see Teresa backing down. And that's kind of how I feel about Kyle.
0: But also, it's not just them. Like, yes, of course, I think that there's a certain percentage of them that will be down to do this for a while. <laughs> but it's also on us. Like, as embarrassed as I may be to say it, I am brave enough to admit that I don't think a day will come where I'm not at least minorly interested in the drama going on in Austin Crowell's love life. Like, I don't know what it says about me as a person, but I, I care.
1: I always will care. I don't know a life without all of these Bravo shows. And honestly, I don't plan on finding out. I don't want to know. Exactly. I'm so happy to live in this reality we live in. (laughs) This reality of reality, of fake reality. (laughs) Yeah. You know,
0: something about this episode this week, it's like, historically, I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest Lindsay fan, but you do have to hand it to her that she comes on this show for maybe three days and she is hands down the star of this episode.
1: It was almost like a meet and greet. Like there was a line around the block to have a sit down conversation with Lindsay because maybe everyone couldn't get a hold of her, or maybe this information was too good that it had to be done on camera, and/or wanted to be done in person. But like, God, that she really came in and stirred it up.
0: One thing she's gonna do is stir it up. Also, I just have to acknowledge it. I was trying not to say it. I'm so self conscious, and we can cut this. You can hear I'm a little bit sick. You can hear it in my voice. I'm really sorry. I just I feel so embarrassed that I sound like this, so I just have to say it. So everybody knows that I know.
1: <laughs> it's okay. This will make you feel better. <laughs> I hope so.
0: Okay, so we'll do Winterhouse, Potomac, and then Salt Lake City. Does that sound good?
1: Sounds great to me.
0: Before we get into Lindsay's various conversations, I I just watched the episode and I'm like bursting to say this. I don't even really have a strong point to make. I just need to talk about Jess for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Let's talk about Jess. I mean what I said when I said this to you last week or the week before of like genuinely I feel sorry for her because I've seen this exact behavior before and this level of insecurity coexisting with like the front that she puts on, I just, there's, it's no way to live.
1: And the way that the confessionals are spliced, so that it's her being like, Yeah, we've basically been dating for two months. And like, I don't think it's weird to say I love you. And then it cuts to him being like, Yeah, no, it's not like we're leaving being official or anything. Like, I'm just having a good time.
0: They're on such different pages, but like, that I can't necessarily falter for in the sense of like, I would rather have someone be open with how they're feeling at risk of being embarrassed than not be open and like, try to operate only from ego. So it's not even that. It's it's more so just like you can tell even in the way that she interacts with him and the way that she's so conscious of how she's perceived by everyone else. I just, I don't know. I I, I understand why she says she struggles to have close relationships because I think it's really hard for her to just entirely let go and, and be herself, whatever that may look like.
1: I can't tell maybe fully, but it seemed like she had some nice moments with the girls. So at least on that account, I'm happy that she's getting along with the girls because if it was gonna be even more divided, like that would not have been good news for her.
0: No, it wouldn't have been. I'll I'll say about the Corey thing though. Obviously when you watch the confessionals, it's it's a little bit, of course, painful because they are seemingly on very different pages. But I will give him credit for it's not like he was saying one thing to her and then saying another thing in his confessional I actually felt if anything he was pretty forthcoming with her about like where he's at and he wasn't being overly affectionate if that didn't come naturally to him I i, I don't know I, I don't feel that his actions were necessarily uncalled for by any means
1: no I don't think he's like lying to her I think it's just Kind of funny to watch. It's like an amazing side plot that I'm having the best time when they show them. I'm so intrigued. And it's like we barely know them, but I'm so happy that they're there because they're bringing like that sexual, funny, flirty energy that we're clearly not getting from like Kyle and Amanda and even Paige and Craig. Like at this point, they're like old news, old married couples, you know?
0: Oh, totally. That's what I was saying. Like Jess and Corey kind of bring the old school MTV reality show and that. Someone who grew up with that shit every single day after school, I can really appreciate them infusing me with that nostalgia.
1: And then Jason and Rachel like fall right in the middle of that. It's like perfect. It's really great. We're hitting all our bases.
0: It's really interesting to watch kind of the evolution of of Jason and Rachel. Yes, it may seem kind of minor in the sense of like nothing overly intense is happening with them, but you can tell they're learning a lot about themselves, I think, through this.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just they both feel like low stakes is the best way to put it, like comfortable with each other. They're not walking on eggshells. There's like a really open line of communication and they're both just really cool people. Guess like knowing that she has a serious boyfriend in real life and that this just fizzles out affects my viewing because honestly, like I ship them. Like I love them together. So honestly, I'm watching this like kind of sad that it doesn't end up working out long-term.
0: In terms of Lindsay and Jason's conversation, I would say going off of our discussion about this last week, this was one of the more like genuinely real life things that have been discussed on one of these shows. And I don't know how anyone else feels about this. I don't know how you feel about this. The way that I felt about it is like 1 million percent what Lindsay was saying in her confessional, what her body went through and what she went through both physically, mentally, emotionally is so real. And yes, of course, it's priority. But I don't, at all think that he was out of line for bringing up what he did. Basically to say like, yes, you said you were going to go public with it, but I just would have loved a little bit more of a concrete heads up. They were going to bring this baby into the world together. And of course I am so hyper tuned into like her experience, but I think that he's totally valid for just wanting to be able to control the narrative in his own life with his own people before it got out there. So- I, one, don't think there was anything wrong with him bringing it up. I thought he did it in a very respectful manner. And I can't say that I was a huge fan of the way that she reacted in the moment. I'm sure that was overwhelming to hear, but I I think she could have done a better job at making him feel heard, especially since he's someone that I think really makes it a priority to make other people feel heard.
1: I felt really uncomfortable just because I feel like the energy that she met him with when he was like, hey, can we talk? And she's like, Yeah, about what? He's like, What? Like, what do you mean? Like, we have this whole like elephant in the room and this big life thing that we kind of went through together, but not together. It just like she was giving him not a lot of, I guess, warmth, which is okay. Like, she doesn't need to, but I think he was definitely caught off guard by that. Instead of like, you know, when you like went through something or you know someone from a long time ago, you sort of like fall back. I'm not saying in love, but just like a comfort, like a sense of understanding and like a knowingness, and she was not giving that at all, maybe because she thought it would be disrespectful to Carl, but I don't know. I feel like when you go through something with someone, you can at least have that kind of connection on that level, and I also think there's just a lot of miscommunication about – what it means for her to go public with it and him being sort of new to this whole world. If she's going to talk about it or even mention it in a small capacity or in her own way, which I'm not exactly sure the first time she spoke about it, but it's going to get picked up by a billion websites and Instagrams and pages and TikToks and whatever. Like It's going to spread like wildfire because it is kind of newsworthy in general and then for it also to be with him who was a part of the show with her like people are interested in that and that is definitely a big update so there was definitely like a lot of semantics about what it means to go public and him not understanding how it ended up all these places with quotes from her and her saying like I didn't go to each blog and like plant the story at each place it just happens like that which I guess was a worthwhile conversation but also was Diminishing his feelings of like it wasn't really about that it was more just it really should have been a longer conversation Not just a heads up because you know, it's equally his to tell as hers. I guess I felt really bad truly for both of them because I think it was a conversation that needed to be had And I don't think he got out of it what he wanted and I don't think she really wanted to talk about it anymore like I think she really had closure already and had moved on Whereas he needed this closure, so he was gonna have that conversation.
0: No, totally. And listen, to your point, there was very much the logistical element at play, which is Lindsay does PR for a living. Jason is very new to this world. There was definitely, at the very most basic level, gonna be a miscommunication there. But if you really zoom out, the main takeaway is just like, these are maybe the two most unaligned people ever in every sense of the word, in the way that they process emotions and the way that they communicate those emotions. their willingness to receive what other people are saying like there's so many differences in the way that they communicate to the point where like of course something like this that is this sensitive and this emotionally taxing on either party of course it's not going to go down seamlessly between them because their styles of handling things are just so different
1: when she went public with this was it necessary like i'm actually asking did would people have known anyway that he was the father of the baby. But that was kind of what was going through my mind was like, was there a way to kind of do this where both parties felt more satisfied about it?
0: I guess it's possible. I don't know. I don't necessarily feel comfortable on saying like exactly how the story should have been broken. I just feel that clearly the way it went down was a little bit off. And I think even in this conversation, like if we as the audience, or at least I can only speak for myself, didn't feel satisfied by that interaction, I definitely feel like he didn't.
1: Right, exactly.
0: You want to get into the Austin of it all?
1: Do I ever.
0: I am so excited to share this twisted new series with you. From the mind of Tim Burton comes Wednesday Addams only on Netflix. And first of all, this is not a remake or reboot of previous Adams Family projects. It's really a new chapter in the story of Wednesday Addams. So it's a show about Wednesday specifically exploring her journey into adulthood. And it's kind of this supernaturally infused mystery that charts Wednesday's year as a student at Nevermore Academy, where she attempts to both master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town, and then also solve the murder mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships at Nevermore. So, just as a side note, Nevermore Academy is kind of the backdrop for this story. It's this very unique boarding school. Some notable alumni are Edgar Allan Poe and Morticia Adams, just to name a few. And the show really does have incredible talent that will play iconic characters. Just to name a few, Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia, Louis Guzman as Gomez, Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester, Christina Ricci as a teacher at Nevermore Academy, and so many more. Watch Wednesday, a twisted new series from the mind of Tim Burton, out now, only on Netflix. I mean, this... Okay. Literally most zoomed out baseline bottom line thoughts. Number one, do I believe the said dick grab happened? Yes. Number two, do I think that it's anything to even remotely talk about or at all a big deal? Absolutely not. The fact that there's all this hoopla from everyone in the house, even from Paige, Sierra, Amanda, like over what? Carl and Lindsay are so happy in their relationship. Whether or not that happened, it it just concerns no one. And like, yes, of course, I get that they're on a show. This stuff is going to happen. It's going to be brought up. When Austin said it in Paige's room, of course that was going to come up. It's not that. It's just like, why is everyone else so concerned about whether or not Austin says that to Lindsay slash Carl? Clearly, it doesn't matter.
1: I just feel like they were taking it way too seriously where... We could have all laughed about it together because I was laughing at just everyone being so focused on this timeline and Lindsay and Carl, her work in her publicist brain, really concretely saying, October, we started October, correcting Austin, October, 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 like making sure that everyone is on the same page about when they actually started dating and becoming official, even though from everyone else's perspective and the optics of the situation, for all intents and purposes, they were pretty official at Kyle and Amanda's wedding. But nope, according to them, the official end-all be-all is October. Okay, fine. Also, Lindsay being asked, like, basically her alibi about sleeping in Austin's room, I mean look, I don't think Carl's like trying to cover up that she did something because that would only end up hurting him. But I think he's aware of how easily things can get twisted and he doesn't want that to be the narrative. So he and Lindsay are so aligned and like, yes, she slept in his bed. They ordered McDonald's. They went to sleep. I was too tired. I went to the room. So that's why she didn't sleep with me. Like They both have the exact same story and could not stop mentioning the fucking McDonald's 500 times. It's like, we get it. You both have the same detail, which doesn't necessarily make it true, but they were clearly aligned and had had a conversation about it. She had really hammered it home with Carl to make sure that that's what he believed and thought really did happen. And look, she grabbed his dick. Maybe she didn't, maybe she didn't. They weren't married. They're not, they weren't engaged. It was the very beginning of her and Carl's relationship and like nothing happened and that's it. I don't know. It just feels so silly where it could have been something that we were really all just laughing about and laughing how seriously she was taking it and trying to make sure that her bases were covered no matter what.
0: Well, right. It's like, listen, again, I genuinely think this is the least significant piece of information. I think it has no bearing on the current situation. And it was a conversation that could have ended before it even started. But since we're all talking about it, let's not ignore the fact that Kyle, who is Carl's best friend, the person that asked Carl to officiate his wedding, is vouching for the fact that Austin told him the same story like the night after his wedding. So, yeah, most likely, did that go down? Yes, but both things can be true. It could have happened and it also could not matter at all. And I wish that there was a world in which everyone could acknowledge that. But I guess <laughs> maybe for Lindsay, like because maybe she told Carl that nothing happened from the beginning. She doesn't want to change her story. And so now she's doubling down on this. At the end of the day, it's he said, she said. You're never going to be able to prove it. There wasn't a camera in the room. But to me, the most damning quote evidence in all of this is Kyle, literally Carl's best friend in the world, is saying that Austin said that to him. So like, yeah, most likely did it happen? Yes. It just doesn't matter.
1: I guess it's just sort of a metaphor for Austin and Lindsay's relationship as a whole or like just an example of their entire relationship as a whole of like they will always have I guess not always they always did have these flirty moments shit happened behind the scenes the feelings were there they felt very comfortable with each other they could never communicate and Austin loves drama and Lindsay loves drama in her own very different way and that's why they are just like a crazy toxic friendship That will always continue to be entertaining. I mean, maybe not anymore, but it really went out with a bang if this is, you know, their last kind of the last hurrah.
0: Yeah, but I also think there's something to be said for like, you don't have to stay friends with everyone forever, meaning not to say they should never speak again or like their friendship has to be dead, but clearly that level of closeness wasn't serving either of them. Yeah. They both just would get hurt. It just got so messy. So, like, I actually think it's probably a good thing that, you know, a major step back has been taken. It wasn't necessary. It didn't work, clearly. Yeah.
1: It was, it was time to go their separate ways. They were only bringing so much drama. Like, I think it was fun when they were together. And then the minute that they weren't, it was like they were dealing with shit for months and months.
0: Yeah. The other thing in terms of Lindsay's friendship is like, you got to hand it to Luke. I think this was a very much a stand-up guy move, comes to her in a very direct way, not at all to cause drama or make anyone else look bad. He genuinely felt like he couldn't hear this information and not do anything about it. And he said just to get ahead of it. Right. And that's why I almost wish that when everything was going down with him and Jess, as we discussed last week, that like someone could have said something to him before it had to get to the Craig extent of like, dude, this is not it. She is feeling uncomfortable and everyone is talking about it. I wish someone could have given him that same courtesy. Again, not that he should have needed it. He should have never been doing that in the first place, of course. But it just felt like such a simple gesture to just give a heads up.
1: Well, that's what Craig should have done. I think that's why Luke was so caught off guard because that's never how he would have handled it if the tables were turned. It's actually the opposite of probably how he would have handled it. And he felt like he deserved Craig say, hey, come here and like give him a heads up. Quietly, not in front of everybody, you know, sort of make it actually about the issue instead of Craig having like a whole Craig song and dance and blowing up and making it the Craig show.
0: I also will say that after watching Lindsay on Summer House for so many seasons, which obviously alcohol was a huge part of that, and now seeing her here without drinking, it really is like such a stark contrast. And yeah. And, like, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not trying to evaluate the future of her sobriety. That's her decision. But it is interesting in terms of like what Kyle was saying with the way that Carl perceives her when alcohol is involved or not. And, like, what does that look like? I don't know, but I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, no, me too. It's definitely a different person, I'm sure, in her day to day life. But it was always really heightened in these summer, winter house scenarios. So I'm sure for her, that was a big moment too, because I think this was her first experience doing a stint at any of these and being on these shows without alcohol as a crutch or as like her sort of part of her personality. Totally.
0: Totally. I mean, it, she got to the point where like she owned the fact that she, you know, became a much more inflamed version of herself when she was drunk. Like she wasn't yeah. in denial of it. it. It became a part of her brand. And so if you're looking at her solely as a reality TV persona she, clearly she can still do it sober i mean she's bringing so much drama but it it is just factually a, like a different person not in a bad way at all i think it's probably a great thing for her but it is just very different
1: i also kind of didn't think it was fair of kyle to bring up what carl had told him it's like he's allowed to think that and honestly he might still think that and he pr- maybe even tells lindsay that that's how he feels but i very much actually feel like lindsay came to this decision on her own to not drink, not just to support Carl and not just, you know, when she's around him to be respectful, but actually for herself. And like, that just doesn't need to be messed with, with Kyle being like, well, he was just telling me how annoying she is when she drinks.
0: Yeah. No, it wasn't chill. It wasn't chill, which is exactly like, you know, how the the show plays into it. Like that's a damn good confessional, but like not the best friend move. Even though I I do think at the end of the day, Kyle and Carl do have a genuine friendship.
1: I don't know. I think they're in weird terms. Honestly, because of work. I don't, yeah,
0: work. But I also think the Carl and Lindsay dating thing, the the house, the summer house house did not have as warm of a reception to it as maybe they would have anticipated, which like even when they're at, the bar, wherever they were. And like Paige says, you know, if I found out that Craig did that when we were supposed to be exclusive, like I would break up with him. That was harsh. That's what I'm saying. Like, I one don't think that's true. And second of all, like, I don't know if they would have said that if it was about someone else other than Lindsay and Carl. Like, I, I think this is my perception and I could be wrong. Tell me what you think. I think all of them, meaning everyone that was in the Summer House house, they are so happy for Carl and Genuinely want him to be happy, but they're having a hard time because they're not huge fans of Lindsay and they can't wrap their minds around this relationship. So it's like, how do you express your happiness for someone else's happiness while also having these real feelings about like kind of disliking their partner and kind of disliking the relationship that's making this person so happy? So I think it comes out in forms like this where they have a major over-dramatized reaction to something that should not have a reaction, but it's like a concrete thing that they can pull on instead of saying, by the way, we think this whole Lindsey Carl thing is fucking weird and we don't get why you guys are together. They can't say that. So harping on this almost helps to like kind of even subconsciously pull them apart. Or you don't, do you not feel that way?
1: No, I totally do. Wait, did they film this season of Summer House? Like we're going to yeah. see it? Yeah. It's done, right? I'm just like mixing up my years. Okay, wow. So that's going to be absolutely amazing.
0: It's going to be amazing. I'm telling you, this is the shit that gets me going. Like,
1: I know. Oh my God. God We
0: started watching this. Thank God. The way that you felt about Miami, which I have now 100% gotten on board with you, like, I'm at your level, is the way that I feel about Summer House, slash now Winter House.
1: No, it like actually changes my blood pressure.
0: I, I get it. I so fucking get it. It was not on my bingo card to hear Carl say that he jerked off to that visual of Lindsay.
1: Um, I actually found the picture. I literally googled Lindsay Hubbard pink dress, and I think I, I think I have found the outfit. Everybody, it, was it?
0: <laughs> no, wait, was it not the outfit at the wedding?
1: No, he was saying like she was. She was wearing like her hair up. I think it was at the MTV Movie Awards. I'll, I'm gonna send it <gasps> to you.
0: Oh, we got to put that in the uh, description.
1: I'll add it to the description, everybody, because I know you're curious.
0: Um, Okay. Well, trying to go to Potomac? Let's do it. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And AstroPro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astropro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com, AstroPro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I can't even express to you how not down I am for Mia.
1: It's just a lot of theatrics, and I think that that was our hesitation in the beginning with her was she felt very calculated as a housewife. So then when she sees an opportunity to go up to the car and say, you're no longer allowed to stay here anymore because you are going to have lunch with Wendy, I was like, oh, come on. This fight has gone on for too long, and it's no fun when the person coordinating the trip I mean, we'll get into this in Salt Lake City, but it's no fun when the person coordinating the trip like can't bring everybody together and really do everything in the name of having a good time.
0: Well, that's the issue. It's like obviously – there is an element to one person hosting the trips that definitely adds to the show but i do sometimes wonder like what would it look like if every trip was just neutral ground because right. the the power trip that mia was on is abnormal and for her oh, i have so many thoughts i like i just watched this episode right before we started recording i purposely saved it to have my energy at a high and i i really did not like how this went down and i specifically really dislike the sentiment that you cannot be a good friend while also trying to hold both parties accountable. To me, that's bullshit. To me, you're basically saying you only want people that operate under blind loyalty.
1: Well, that's why I think I'm having such a hard time is because that is like Mia's tagline, basically. Like That is her ride or die rule. So it's really hard to like work with somebody who operates under that being the golden rule of everything when if you even look the other way or talk to anybody or don't get your permission from me first to go even check on quote the other side, then it's a completely done deal. You're cut out of my life. You're a bad friend. It's, it's just so dramatic and drastic.
0: Right. And then you have Giselle really hyping me up to get so pissed at Karen. Meanwhile, Karen's not the enemy here. Karen is not the one that's making the situation worse. Karen's never going to lie down and praise you in the way that you want to be praised because she looks at things a little bit more objectively. And the other thing that is so crazy is that everybody in the moment when something like this is going down forgets that they also have used their words in the exact same way. It's like, Everyone gets to that point. It's only very few people now escalate that to a physical extent.
1: Well, that brings me to Robin and Candace's conversation where Robin is trying to justify it. Like, Wendy never lets anybody talk and she gets over dramatic with her words or whatever she was saying. And Candace is like, We all do that. Like, why now is that an excuse? Like, I don't understand. And I was honestly really surprised the way that Candace took this and how it triggered her and just like the whole way that that conversation went down and really hit home for her when it came to her own situation. I
0: totally got it though. I didn't think that that was performative. I think that she was really no, impacted by that me either. Way. Yeah, yeah. It The thing with Robin that was I think so frustrating is that I wish she would have been as blatant when she's talking about the situation in the moment as she was in her confessional about saying like, listen, I just don't really like Wendy. I almost would have respected that more than her trying to craft this whole argument about how, well, you know, that's what happens when you don't stop talking. As if that's not literally a baseline requirement for being a housewife.
1: But she wasn't even just crafting an argument. She was like going hard for it and almost – kind of like gaslighting everyone around, like how can you guys not see how she is and this is exactly the way it it should be and you should expect that, like it, it was crazy and then you're right, then to hear her in her confessional, I almost, I like Robin in her confessional so much more than I am liking her in real life and it's really sort of a weird shift, I feel like she's getting so involved in the drama and pettiness in a way she wasn't before and it's not in a good way.
0: I know, and in the past, I've really been a big fan of both Robin and Giselle, but there's something about the way they're acting this season, specifically with the Wendy thing, where to me, it's more than just petty. I genuinely feel like at least Robin is enjoying watching Wendy squirm. Like, I think that the way that Candace had the reaction of like, how are we all sitting here when she's so clearly isolated and obviously is very uncomfortable, not saying Robin necessarily gets off on it, But I think she may like it a little bit too much.
1: But the reason that it feels like so icky to me is like, Wendy didn't really ever do anything to Robin. Robin just doesn't like her and that's fine. But Robin is so happy. She can be like, see, see, even like the recording with the phone at the table, all like, you know, getting in Wendy's face with it. And so kind of blindly defending Mia it felt so mean, girl. And it was like, for what? At least if you have a reason and can back it up and have something powering you to do that, fine. At least we as the viewers can get it. But it was like, she was just being mean, like really mean, girl.
0: Right. But also it's not like Mia is to Robin as Giselle is to Robin. Not that it would have been cool regardless, but if this is ride or That's what I'm saying. It's like for Mia, the same woman that in your confessional defending her, you're also questioning her diagnosis. Like, this is not even someone that you hold in a high regard or really have the utmost respect for. Like, not that it would have been fine regardless, but at least if it's someone like Giselle who was literally her sister, maybe it makes it a little more passable. All this for Mia?
1: It's like, enemy of my enemy is my friend. and It could have been anybody at the table that she, even if she liked them or not, because they, she was going so hard for Wendy and I guess calling her out on some shit that Robin probably wishes she could call her out on. Or it was just an opportunity to sort of jump on the Wendy is wrong bandwagon, I guess. Like that's why it feels like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not I'm not Wendy's biggest fan by any means. I don't think she's always right. I don't think Mia was right at all. I think it was like they were both wrong and it was kind of a silly argument to have. But I, I just can't help but feel really bad for her for like getting in this situation.
0: It's totally unfair. Like
1: over Peter Thomas.
0: That's what I'm saying, over Peter Thomas. I mean, if you we go back, I know last week obviously we had our Winterhouse mega episode so we didn't cover Potomac last week and not to go overly back to it. But if you really break down the actual fight, yes, were they both in the wrong? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, Mia is the one that threw the drink on another woman at the table. I'm sorry. To me, it's very similar to Salt Lake City this week. You just don't do that. And the other thing that pissed me off so much about Robin is like, God forbid someone did that to her she would have then been able to just keep her calm. No. When you're in that situation, it triggers your fight or flight. You're obviously going to say some shit that maybe you wouldn't say under the most calm circumstances. It's like somehow when when Robin is recounting this argument, she completely removes the fact that like, of course, Wendy is going to be additionally upset after she just got a drink thrown on her at a dinner.
1: This is the week of thrown drinks. You're right. I did not even realize that. I think they all just want to be like Tamara. In Gina Keo's face. And it's like, it's not gonna happen. Like these were not to me, these were both Salt Lake City and Potomac, neither were what I would call an iconic drink throw.
0: No, I mean, I can't even I have such strong feelings on Salt Lake City, which we will get into. And I have to tell you, I'm happy about that because I have not had strong feelings for the last few weeks. I the last few weeks (laughs) I've been sitting here like, what the fuck is going on? And this week I'm like, all right, now I got some things to say.
1: Yeah, I woke up for sure.
0: Yeah, me
1: too.
0: (laughs) So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like Twenty One Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum forty One, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love, all summer long, for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's Livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. But wait, I want to go back for a second, because before we even get into Mia dramatically opening the car door and telling them that they're no longer invited back at the house, I thought that what came before that was kind of powerful in that Ashley and Candace, who are by no means friends, and yes, maybe working towards a little bit of a resolve, but deep down, not the biggest fans of one another, coming together with Karen to basically say to Wendy, listen... I know that these women are making you feel like you're alone, but we want to make you feel the opposite. And that I could really appreciate. Like, it it wasn't as if when Karen, Ashley, Candace, and Wendy were at lunch, it was going to be the best of friends. No, but it was very clearly three women that were like coming together to support this other woman. And that I can appreciate because it felt genuine to me.
1: Well, that's like something I think Mia wouldn't need to understand is like just because they're going to see her doesn't mean there's a line drawn in the sand. It's like not this huge this or that black and white. Like there's gray area. Like Candace and Ashley are by no means friends, but they put the bullshit aside and they said, we love Wendy. We we would want someone to come meet us and have lunch if we felt isolated from the group and alienated because of an argument and We weren't at the house last night to sort of debrief it and see what's going on. We were alone in a hotel room. They call her, she'd been crying all morning. Like, nobody wants to feel that way. And even if they're not the best of friends in life or whatever on the show, like, they're still castmates. They're still women that care about each other and that have shared experiences. And, like, those to me are kind of the human moments where it's like, housewives aside, it's the right thing to do. Like, you don't need to show up for this whatever beach cabana party that's sort of made and then Mia's trying to make Karen feel like that was her birthday party please
0: but that's exactly my thing about Mia like you lose me the second that you want me to abandon my humanity in the sake of loyalty that it's not how yeah. life works you can't just have someone immediately shut down their natural empathetic and compassionate response just to prove this unwavering loyalty to you that's why Giselle's argument about Karen straddling the fence doesn't land with me it's like She's not straddling the fence. Why do you have to make that such a negative term? She's just seeing a situation objectively and not choosing to make one party feel overly bad for something that she doesn't feel is deserved. Like maybe you need a little bit more of this straddling because right now you are defending Mia in a way that is completely like uncalled for by any of our standards or at least mine.
1: But did you see last week when the fight was actually going down and Karen was sort of like, you know, trying to be a peacemaker literally and physically in the middle. And Giselle is like yelling across the table at Karen, like, pick a side, stop straddling the fence. Like you're always in the middle, like pick a side, pick a side. And it's like, look, I get it. You can't always be Switzerland. You can't be wishy-washy. Like you have to have some loyalty. Like I get it. That is definitely part of a friendship or whatever. You can be also loyal to two people and you also can be the most loyal to yourself and do what you feel and your gut is right. But I just was so interested in how it almost felt like Giselle had been waiting to say that. Like that was a, a a flaw of Karen's that she was just so ready to pounce on and pick up on. And then in that moment when it was happening, it was like, see, you always do this.
0: Well, it's very similar to what Giselle was saying with Monique and Candace, if you remember. That right. when right. the whole fight happened, you know, she felt then, like- I think
1: it, this, this re-brought up all those feelings and it was like, It's been, it clearly had been front of mind and is one of her biggest problems with Karen because she literally, it was like ready to fly off her tongue.
0: I know. And that's, (laughs) But I wish I could have said to Giselle in that moment is like, maybe make it a little less obvious because we could so clearly see that you were sitting on that, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was like ready to go.
0: When Mia opened up that car door and said, by the way, find another place to sleep for the night. I was like the balls this woman has. Like exactly what Ashley said in her confessional of we are grown women and y- something you may or may not understand is that you cannot control everything that we do. And the fact that she genuinely, she said that with her chest, you know, like she genuinely yeah. felt that they they needed to ask her permission in order to have a comforting lunch with a woman clearly in need.
1: We are past the point of believing that you really Put together and paid and organized this whole trip completely on your own. That wall was shattered years and years ago, so it, it just makes it worse and more cringy when you like are still carrying around that power, even though us as the viewers like know that it's just like a false sense of authority.
0: Right, and then also another thing that I wanted to mention, of Carrie's, your your thoughts on this. Obviously, we've been recently introduced to Mia's friendship with Jacqueline. And when they're sitting at the beach and they're kind of talking about the nature of their friendship, not when Giselle is questioning them about sexual stuff, but just about the loyalty. And Mia makes a comment, something along the lines of like, if she's not winning, then I'm not doing something right. Which, you know, in theory, I can maybe appreciate that. There's this deep sense of loyalty. You want to see that your friend is doing well and succeeding fine. But then when they're back in the room later and she's kind of confronting Karen and in a way, Jacqueline's speaking for her. What I found to be slightly concerning is that Mia is describing her friendship with Jacqueline as like the gold standard, meaning that is the way that everyone else should act. And to me, it's not even just like, of course, she's naturally closer with Jacqueline than she is with any of the rest of them. So it would be completely unfair to expect anyone else would act like that. It's also like, I don't know if I'm prepared to say that that's the most healthy. Because just last episode, I felt the way that she was kind of putting Jacqueline on blast was not something that I would have felt comfortable with my friend doing to me. So it's like, (laughs) whatever you are categorizing as the ideal standard for what friendship should look like, I think we're already starting at below zero because I don't even agree with your definition of true friendship.
1: Mia and Jacqueline have really been going into it on social media. Like we cannot even get into it. It would take up so much time. I can put some links maybe in the description, but like their friendship is I would say the opposite of ideal. Like it was some really mean stuff, things coming out from Jacqueline's family about Mia and just like awful things said on both sides. So not only are we watching this being like, okay, this is not like the best friendship ever. Like there's clearly some things back and forth and some, I don't know, like they were both treating each other just like not amazing, but Mia is comparing everything to it. And then seeing in real time things go down where like you see all the cracks in their relationship it's like I almost understand why Mia has such a hard time sort of figuring out these friendships and understanding like who she should stay with who is really really loyal to her because I think her idea of loyalty is so over the top that if you're not going out of the way to like literally praise the ground she walks on and like go over the top and showing how much you care and love her and how much on your side you are then she thinks you're not a good friend.
0: Right, exactly. And anyone watching the show saw those cracks from a mile away. Now we're seeing it factually based on what's been going on like in writing. But you could tell there was a really unhealthy element to this relationship that was being presented to us as if it was, should be put on a pedestal. And it's like, I very much understand the connection that comes from old friends, specifically friends that have been with you through hardships in your life and they didn't know you, the you that you are now. Like, of course, watching someone as they grow over the years through whatever they're going through, of course, that's bonding. I think that's one of the most vulnerable you can be with a person. But like, that doesn't mean that the way that you now view the relationship is what everyone else should strive for. That's the last thing I would strive for. I don't want my friends to, to, to act like that towards me. I tell me if you feel that something I'm doing is, is wrong or cruel or I'm making someone feel the way I want you to feel comfortable and secure enough in our relationship to be able to tell me and to know that that's not going to change anything.
1: You know, even aside from the drink throwing, I'm actually really realizing how many parallels there were between Potomac in Salt Lake City because a lot of the things we were analyzing between me and Jacqueline is kind of how I felt between Angie and Jen and just like evaluating what it looks like when you bring on a friend who you've been friends with for a really long time but have underlying issues and like kind of how that affects your friendship and also just watching those di- dynamics go down when I don't know like you're now on camera it really fucks things up
0: And we'll get into Salt Lake City in a second. Just the last thing that I want to say on this, something that I am constantly confused by, not just in this episode, not just with Potomac, really across all franchises, is if you are saying, you know, I am so above this person, aka Mia Wendy here, where she's like, I can't even be concerned with this anymore. Then when you are so deliberate in the fact that you will not spend any time with them and additionally penalize any of your friends that even remotely spend any time with them, to me, like... You're just weakening your argument. <laughs> like to me you are showing your cards in in such a blatant way. Whereas the real power in saying I can't be concerned with this is actually being unbothered by them. But you give the other person so much power when you make their presence so obviously an issue for you, you know?
1: Right, like you're letting them bo- bother you enough to like make a whole thing out of it.
0: Yes. And also, Mia is so delusional if she thinks that Karen Huger, the grand dame of Potomac, a veteran at this, is going to suddenly risk her entire, forget about her stance in the group, the entire way the audience who historically has adored her perceives her for you and G. I don't know. Like What I wanted to say to her is I don't know how to tell you this. G and Ray are not the same.
1: (laughs) Who's going to tell them? (laughs) <laughs> like
0: that's that's how I felt she's making these comparisons as if they're even remotely similar
1: I don't know something about Mia is just really rubbing me the wrong way and I really want to like her and I almost think if she dropped the theatrics we could be in a better place
0: I, I genuinely feel sorry for her because you can see so much of what comes out here is things that are just unresolved and like I'm split on it on one hand I I Feel for her because clearly she's struggling internally. Like, you don't put this type of display out to the public if you don't have real deep things going on inside. At the same time, like, it's not an excuse to treat people the way that you treat people. And I hope for her sake, like, she can work on that because I think she has the potential. Like, she's willing to bring the drama, she's witty, she can be fun, she's out there, but uh, it's just there's like a little bit of a screw loose.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see how she'll respond to it at the reunion, if she'll really double down or she'll kind of recognize her behaviors. Wendy too. Neither of them are in the right or the wrong, but like, well, they're kind of both in the wrong. But I'm specifically curious in Mia's sort of reaction, looking back in the way she handled all of this, because there's like a lot of pieces to it. Whereas Wendy, I think was more just reacting and defending herself.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's why the reunions are so essential. <music> So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. Do you know how bold you have to be to pour a glass of champagne on someone in the middle of a heated moment and then immediately after try to play it off as just having fun?
1: (laughs) Like this was so cringy. Like, oh my God. It was like a little kid when they do something and they're like, it was a mistake. It was an accident. I didn't mean to. And they try to play it off. I just don't even know who Jen thought was buying that.
0: No, but it it was so bad that it almost made me question narrative of how she was not having more of a reaction. Like, oh my God, this, there is so much here. First of all, that behavior was disgusting and the fact that she tried to spin it in a way that was just like almost insulting that she would want us to believe it that's one thing yes but second of all the way that this episode highlighted how every single person there even angie k is so deeply desensitized to jen's antics and ourselves included that to me that was like the biggest theme of this whole episode
1: i mean to me the biggest theme was like where the fuck has angie k been give this woman a whatever a snowflake whatever they hold because she is what we need she knows how to get and under Jen's skin and knows things about Jen that we've been needing to sort of even it out around here and I mean the whole thing I can't describe it in any other way as cringe it was like a little kid really that's the best way I can think about it is like a toddler or a kid on the playground who like does something naughty and then instantly kind of regrets it and tries to spin the narrative and everyone just like oh that Jen, you know, it's like no, not end that Jen. Like she's so many issues, and look, I get it. She's going through a lot. There's things that are happening. We can say that till we're blue in the face. It's it is true, but it's like what what is going on here? Like you can't just do weird and mean things, especially to someone who's quote your best friend, because you're not happy. You're getting enough attention or getting to make the first word of the speech when we get to this house because it's quote your trip. Like we're like really grown women here.
0: I know. And also, yes, of course, there are very real things going on right now. I am sure she is very stressed. What was her excuse the previous seasons? Because this is not new behavior. You know, I would maybe have a little bit of an easier time believing that argument in terms of like, I am just so overwhelmed and I can't even think straight if this was so out of character. But that argument no longer lands when this is nothing if not on brand.
1: It's almost like if you cut out all the confessionals about what she was going through and how hard things were for her, and you put somebody who didn't know what was going on in real life with the trial and all of the allegations. If they watched all seasons of Salt Lake City through, it's not like this one would stick out in such a dramatic way. If anything, she's actually been a lot tamer this season so far than I think she's been in the other season. So I'm done blaming it on that. Like at this point, we know it's Jen's personality. So when you look at this isolated incident, it's also kind of annoying. Like if you're rooting for Jen, which like as fucked up as it is, I always have like a tiny piece of me that is just because sometimes she's really likable and like I can't help but feel bad even though she did absolutely terrible things. I don't know why, but I guess we could like dissect that later. But you're like, Jen, This is a woman who clearly has been your friend for years and years and years, is trying to come on this show and like be your support and give you a voice. Clearly has done a lot of really nice things for you in the past. Like, don't fuck it up. It's not that hard. Like you could be mean and do all these antics with people you've already messed up your relationship with, but don't do it to the person the closest to you. It's like such self-sabotage.
0: But that's a huge theme in Jen's life. She's constantly self-sabotaging and I think specifically in her friendships, which... I am a really big fan of Heather. I think that show aside, I could totally be friends with her in real life. Like I genuinely really like her. But I was disappointed in the way that she handled this with Jen, similarly to how I felt about Meredith. It's like, if you are actually close friends with someone, you need to be able to say to them, that was a little bit fucked up. That wasn't your best. And I don't know if it's that they're constantly walking on eggshells because they don't want to deal with the Jen blow up, or if it's like they're genuinely a little bit afraid. But Either way, it's not, it's not a good look at it in the process, it makes them look worse.
1: Again, hello, back to Potomac. Like, you gotta call your friends out on their shit. And even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, in the long run, you don't have to make them embarrassed. You don't have to do it in the moment. You don't have to like do it in a whole group of people, but you have to be honest. Like, if someone's making themselves look like an asshole. It's not doing them any service to let them keep looking like an asshole and not say listen it's not the best move like get get your shit together but i just like i love heather more than anything i just sometimes feel really sad with how much she lets go like when it comes to her you know like i i just can't help but feel that it wasn't necessarily in this episode but i think she just sort of wants more than anything to be on good terms with people and like will do anything to make sure that that's the case and I just constantly feel that that's how she's viewing situations. But I don't know, next week when I I was looking at the um, trailer for next week, there's a whole thing about when, when Jen is saying, you know, you have to stop being friends with Angie H. And Heather says, I can't do that. So then it's like, okay, how can you be friends with both people when you get an ultimatum like that? Like, I don't know. And I think that's how she ends up in a lot of really sticky situations is she wants to continue being best friends with everybody
0: here's my thing on that. I think Heather's biggest issue is that she still seeks a lot of external validation. And we clearly see that a lot in her friendships because you cannot be in a good spot when you are unwilling to give up your friendship with Angie H. And the other person asking you that is Jen Shaw. Like That's not a situation anybody wants to be in. When both of these people are so close to you and you value their approval so highly that you want to be able to maintain a relationship with both of them. That's how I know that Heather, something is going a little bit wrong. Like, you cannot be as, from what I perceive, Heather to be as good of a person as, you know, like stand up of a woman as Heather, and then have these be the two people closest to you. It doesn't work like that. I think there has to be something about her friendship with either of them that gives her a boost in confidence, even though one could make the argument that it's the other way, because at times Jen has really. I think, come down hard on her. But clearly, I think there's something about that association. Maybe it's what she actually gets from the friendship when things are good. Maybe it's an optics thing. I don't know what it is. But it can't just be that Jen Shaw is fun. I don't think it's just that. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. And you see in this moment, like what I wanted to say is, Heather, you just saw Jen do this to this woman. It's something that was totally uncalled for. And under any other circumstance, if it was any other woman they would have really been called out for that, and your most grand response to it is telling Dana that she shouldn't rock the boat and rile anything up with the hostess. Like, that's not the Heather that I feel I know.
1: No, you're right. But can we get into the fifteen thousand dollar birthday party of it all? Because I'm fucking obsessed with this.
0: Yeah, that was a that was like a housewife move. That was like a yeah. I'm fighting. Yeah, that was like an I'm fighting for my snowflake kind of move.
1: A hundred percent. Like she came to fucking play this was so just an amazing revelation and this is when I sort of woke up because I know we've been sort of bored and not really like understanding what the fuck is going on and then Angie dropped this of like you wanted to have the birthday at my house and I ended up footing the $15,000 birthday party bill and Jen is like sort of trying to fight her but not really and Angie's like what did you pay for And I was on my hands and knees scrubbing my new house. And then Jen comes back with this $5,000 necklace thing. And Angie's like, you were just wearing that necklace and gave it to me. I I just like, this was such a perfect plot point to me personally. Like I just could not get enough of this.
0: What about when Angie says in her confessional, the last thing I want is to have the Southern District of New York come and take that necklace off my neck.
1: (laughs) I was like, okay. Mike drop.
0: yeah, like not only did you just bring up the mystery of who's footing the bill for Sharif's party, you then on top of it add in a little Southern District of New York move. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that that's what prompted me to say what I said before about her earning her snowflake. Because like, if you're willing to bring that energy and you have fifteen thousand dollars to blow on somebody else's husband's birthday party at your house, like to me, that's that's really the only criteria I'm looking for here.
0: Right, it's like that mix of extravagance and drama, which is the shit that we live for. But I will tell you something about Angie K that I appreciated this episode is, yes, when they're in the van, like she really lets it rip. That was peak housewives. She's petty. She's pulling out shit she probably shouldn't say in front of the group. Like I'm with that all day in terms of the quote housewives of it all. But I also appreciated that, you know, just minutes before that in the episode, she's genuinely breaking down to Lisa. Like what I liked is that We didn't see her go from the champagne being poured on her head to her losing it on Jen in the van. I liked that we had that moment of vulnerability where, like, she wasn't afraid to say, Yeah, that really hurt me. Like, not only am I pissed, I'm really upset by this. And to me, it's that contrast that makes it work.
1: And that she didn't come in, like, guns blazing, trying to get that out about the party. I mean, maybe she did. She probably had it in her back pocket and probably assumed it would be used eventually because it's like it's just so juicy and also so in line with everything that's kind of like wrong with Jen but she waited until like she actually felt hurt like I honestly think she came in with the intention of like Jen and I will get along and we'll be a dynamic duo and she's such a star of this show and I would be such a great asset to have beside her like she really I think came in with those intentions and didn't sit down on day one that she had a camera in her face and and start picking a fight about that with Jen or start telling that to the other women. It wasn't until she was actually really, like, tested and so disrespected by Jen in such a bizarre, like, kind of stupid way that she said, fine, you want to be this way to me and not even let me just, like, tell everybody where they're staying in my friend's house that I organized for you because we can't even leave the country because of your court order. Like fine then i'll expose you as much as i want
0: right and i'll tell you i i don't maybe she had it in the back of her head knowing this could come out but i don't think she was overwhelmingly excited for it to come out because if we want to be super honest like she was happy to throw that party cuz it got her on the show You know, suddenly she now has the inclusion in the show because of this party. So I don't think – I'll put it like this. I think that if Jen treated her with so much respect and it was all smooth sailing, she would have been more than comfortable for the rest of the season to not say one word about it. It was the fact that Jen tried this bullshit move of pouring champagne on her head when she's doing nothing but trying to be nice that she's like, all right, you want to fuck around? Fuck around and find out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. No, you're so right. this like felt this just felt good to me I know it's fucked up but it felt like a classic actual emotions fight where there was like things going on and friendships at stake and juicy drama things we didn't know or see in any sort of teaser like just has felt really manufactured and so stale up until now that I'm kind of glad that we're maybe getting on a better path and like I don't know, just seeing a little bit more of their like personalities and like true things going on. Who I don't know who there's going to be a screaming dinner party next week. And I could take this all back if it's not real. And I still pretty much don't understand or think I retained 75% of what's gone on this far in the season. So we'll see. But this week, I felt good. And I felt excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah, which is a feeling in terms of Salt Lake City we have not had for a little while. I'm I'm very right. much on board with that. Yeah. I Jen, this was like it's funny because there have definitely been times when Jen's reaction has been a little bit more like over the top or exaggerated and she said meaner things, but somehow this to me was one of her worst episodes. Cause yeah. it, she didn't even fully own it. It wasn't even like I, I would almost respect it more if she said, you know what, I just lost it. That was wrong of me. But no, she walked it back and then tried to make everyone else the villain. And you're never going to win anyone over with that.
1: And it was so not believable. Like it was almost, you're right, insulting to us that we'd be like, oh, yeah, it was a funny joke. Like who thought that was funny? You know? No, (laughs) no one thought it was funny. Like what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. Meredith is right though, a little bit when she says, like, I think Jen's at her breaking point. I think that she is too. I just also don't think. It's an excuse to treat people, specifically people that have been nothing but kind to you in that way. That's I'm sorry. This is my last thing on this that I have to say. That's what I find really fucked up about Jen is it's not like she had all of these building issues with Angie. And in that moment, she got pushed over the edge and that's when she poured the champagne. Still wouldn't have been okay, but maybe you can try to understand it a little more. Up until right now, this is seemingly someone that's been a great friend to you. And the fact that she is at the drop of a hat, willing to risk all of that, that's what's really concerning.
1: Yeah, it is. It's like she has, she doesn't hold any weight and it's like almost scary when you feel like at all times she has nothing to lose when she does.
0: We shall see. I don't know. I think at least for this week, we're back with Salt Lake City and that's something I can feel grateful for.
1: And we have Miami next week. So that is keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. I am so excited for that. I can't even tell you as well. Same.
0: Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and for letting us do this. And Julie and I will be back next week with our regular episode. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning. There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy. That when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the Conception Aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.